this is the last episode for 2022. It has been a roller coaster of a uh, year. And we wanted to take a break from the normal structured episodes to do a year in review. Uh, we'll be looking back on some of our favorite cards, sets, and the cards that we, cards and sets that we feel weren't that good, and talk about the decks that we built, modified, and played over the past year. Hello and welcome to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm your host Chris and I'm joined as always by Joe. Say hi Joe. Hello everybody. And let's get this out of the way at the top of the episode. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to tell us how your year of uh, magic went, you can do so by emailing us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. And with that out of the way... Joe, we were talking before this episode at just how many sets were released. And it, <laughs> and there is definitely product it, it there's definite product overload. Oh, yeah. That's that's easy to say the least. Uh, they fo- wizards followed their normal idea of four premiere sets uh over the year. And it was one every quarter. Yep. And then sprinkled in there were uh, one, two, three, four, five other supplemental sets. Well, major supplemental sets. Yep. And I blew your mind with this little ta- with this little tidbit. Out of the premier sets, there were 118 legendary creatures. Yep. So that means. <laughs> From the premier sets, there is a, there's 118 opportunities to build a commander deck. Different. New. New. Different. Those are unique legendary creatures. And it gets even funnier with the uh, uh, with all the supplemental sets because that comes in at 230. Or for because there was an unset in there, it for legal commanders, it drops it down to 210. But we're still looking at... 328 legendary creatures for Commander. Not all of them brand new. Several of them reprints when you think about, you know, Double Masters 2022, some of the Jumpstart ones. But by and large, you had Boulder's Gate that had all new. You I had... forgot to factor in the backgrounds. Oh. So that, I think that, that, that kind of... even more, yeah. So I think that kind of makes pushes it to about 230 yeah. legal Commander. yeah. And that doesn't even include the different pairs you can have between the background commanders and the actual background enchantments of Baldur's Gate. Yep. Which, there's there's a number of different combinations there. So we had a lot of new stuff. And that's just the world of Commander. Yep. Let alone Pioneer decks, Modern, Legacy, the new Legacy shakeup. Have you heard about the new Legacy shakeup that happened? No. Baldur's Gate has completely upended Legacy with the initiative mechanic. At the Legacy Open, about a month, maybe six weeks ago now, an initiative deck, a mono-white initiative deck, maybe Azorius, 
depending on the version of the deck, but I think it was Mono White, came in, did not win. Is it Delver still won the event? Which it has, you know, it, it's been a major deck for a long time now. But a mono white deck based around initiative came in, and I think one or two, maybe even three people in the top eight were running mono white initiative. So it, so mono white initiative took top eight. Yes, at least one spot in the top eight at Legacy. Legacy. The set that is working with the most powerful cards in the history of Magic. Legacy was upended by Baldur's Gate. As long as, but also remember, last year, was it last year or was it the year before with Ikoria? That was the year before. That was 2020. All right. So 2020, Vintage had a shakeup. Oh, yeah, but that was Companion. It was so messed up. It broke every format. Yeah, but... <laughs> and they had to completely reword the rules but, on, but, on Companion. But <laughs> that was the first time... That, that was, like, one of the first times in a very long time where something was banned. Right. Not restricted. Like banned all from the vintage. other. You are correct. So, in the course of two over two years, we have... We had... One, we had a card get banned in Vintage. Yep. And then skip forward to this year, and we have Initiative that's taking control of the other big Eternal format. Yep. So, it's it's been an interesting year. And our, uh, it was Ledger Shredder that was banned in Modern, right? Did it get banned in Modern? I don't remember if it got banned in Modern. Uh, it may have. I, I want to say it did. We can find out real quick. No, Ledger oh. Shredder did oh. not get banned. However, it probably had people calling for bannings. Uh, that's what it. it that's yeah. what it was like, because of how powerful it was and everything. Yeah. There was talk of banning it because it was being run so often. It was so powerful, and in modern, there's a lot of flashback and stuff yeah. like that. So you could easily discard something, uh, either discard. Uh, madness, it works very well with Madness works as well. It works great with Madness. Although Madness isn't as prominent in Modern. Madness being a, a mechanic from the Torment set was would be more prominent in the Vintage. Or, sorry, not Vintage, Legacy. You don't see too many Madness cards that are Innistrad. legal. Ah, uh, you're right. Shadows of Innistrad did have some Madness. Mm. That is true. Yep. Yep. It connive works very well with Oh, but it works great with Madness. Absolutely. You're you're absolutely correct. There's there was yeah. just a lot of synergy with it and people wanted yeah. to get it wanted to have its wings clipped. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> I think that really really kind of leads us into our first big topic of discussion is the number of mechanics that we had this year with connive being a big one. Some of the mechanics we got back from a long time ago and what how those are shaking up the way the different formats work um, and, and how we're, we're seeing the formats adjust to all the new cards that are coming in, especially in the world of Commander in particular. It has changed dramatically over the course of this year. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it 
just in our own, like, our, at our, our LGS, and the way Commander games have run the past couple months in particular, it's just different than what it was a year ago. I mean, if I had known last year that I would be absolutely trounced by land, I would have, I would have thought you were crazy. But one of the most powerful decks, of course, it's Simic. It's Tati, it's a uh, Tatiana, uh, Tatiova, Tatiova. Sorry, Tatiova. It's yeah. ta- Tatiova, and making all of the, making you know all of the lands that you go get after you hit a certain amount. They all become creatures. Yep. This is the new Tatiova from Dominaria United. Yes. Yeah. Like, that deck is absolutely brutal. Yeah. So, from Neon Dynasty this year, we had the return of Channel, the return of Sagas, which were a huge part of that set. We had Crew, which has been featured in many sets up to this point. Vehicles are becoming kind of standard in sets, but Neon Dynasty did feature the crew mechanic more than in other sets. We also had the new mechanic reconfigure. We had the return of ninjutsu and the idea of modified creatures. And I know from this set in particular, I was really excited to see, first of all, that we, we went back to Kamigawa. Yeah, because the original Kamigawa was one of your favorites. One of my favorites. I absolutely loved it. And I, when we started doing this podcast, it was something I had said. I, I had wanted to go back to Kamigawa. And I got my wish at the beginning of this year. We went back to Kamigawa. They brought back ninjutsu. It was fantastic. And it turned out that Ninjas ended up being a, one of the most powerful decks in the limited format as well. So it was it was great. Then we went to the streets of New Capenna, a brand new plane for this year. And what kind of mechanics did we encounter there? Well, with all five families, we, we got one mechanic each, and they were all brand new. So we got Alliance, Shield Counters, Connive, Casualty, and Blitz. And each of them work their own different ways, but it is it provided the right amount of variance for that set. I agree. Like uh, pre-release, I was running. I was running uh, both both times I went. I was running brokers. Because that would be the the green blue white yes combination shield counters yeah. And it just did so well. One, because I was, I'm very used to playing in those colors and mm-hmm. very defensively, but at times, in a moment, I can go very offensive thanks right. to my Arcades deck. So I was already in that mindset. So I'm like... Right. But uh, I know that you pulled the uh, Obnixilis. Yes. With his casualty, and that one was just brutal. Right, but that that was the night I was running Riveteers. I was yes. running the, the black, green, red, and it just turned out that Obnixilis worked well with that particular color grouping. Like, so. if you stayed in those color groupings, there was just so much synergy. There but really you, was. But you could, but because they were all shards, yeah. you could dip into the neighboring families. Yeah, and, and still... find something that helped you. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked the idea behind New Capenna. Limited balance, the balance of the limited format was not great. 
people figured out real quick that you were drafting blue, white, and then either black or green. And if you had your preference, you were drafting blue, white, green. You were drafting brokers. Um, or you were drafting blue, white, black, which was almost as good, depended on how well you could Obscura. drive. Right. Uh, and it ended up being that the just the limited format was really unbalanced. And so drafting that set got old real, real quick. Like We drafted, I think, four weeks after for a store championship. And it just wasn't fun. It it really wasn't a fun limited environment, but it provided a lot of really interesting and enjoyable cards into the game as a whole. And you're right, I like the ideas that they took with the shield counters, with conniving, with casualty. Blitz is still one of my favorite mechanics, just with how quickly you can get that aggressive approach um, and then get the benefit of the card draw off of it. It's just, it's fantastic. Well, it's because of Blitz that I have my Agnes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I built Haste Tribal, and every single Blitz card that I could get my hand on, I did because of, one, the card the card draw off of it, and it also synergized with my commander, giving me tap treasure tokens. Right. So there was just that beautiful synergy there. And New Capenna was, like, one of my... Like, definitely one of the better sets. Like, I enjoyed it. And uh, last month or the month before, I was listening to Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work podcast. Okay. And he was talking about the set. And it was I was listening to the episode where he talked about the set design mm-hmm. of Streets of New Capenna. And it was just so interesting to hear how it all came about. Because if I remember correctly, he had one of the guys had the idea for it while sitting in a meeting and wrote it down and in that meeting wrote an email to, to someone pitching it to him. That's great. I'm like, (laughs) yes, that's how you do it. Now, mind you, they were, he did talk about how there were some like kind of gray areas and everything, like some touchy subjects and whatnot with how they originally wanted it because of what was happening around the world and in, and in the United States. So they had to kind of, change how some of the families were. Okay. Because it's pretty much, you know, mob bosses. Yeah, it is. It's mafia. Crime families, yeah. And so, uh, if I remember correctly, Obscure, how it was, how they are lawyers. Yeah. They were... Uh, Brokers were lawyers. Sorry, brokers. Yeah. Um, How brokers were lawyers. They were originally uh, planned to be, like, corrupt cops. Oh yeah, that would not have gone. But then, well. they were, but then they were like, "Uh, yeah, that's a little too." Yeah, touchy. you don't want to do that. So let's just make them into lawyers. That's a better. Yeah, okay, I, I that's a good good decision. <laughs> then we moved on to shortly after New Capenna. Yep, the battle for Baldur's Gate. Now, I know we have done a lot with Battle for Baldur's Gate, and yeah. I know that you and I both enjoyed it a lot. It was it was a it as a limited set as a limited format, self contained. Again, we enjoyed it quite a bit. The drafting experience in particular was a lot of fun. One thing that I I was going through my car my bulk the other day, mm-hmm. just kind of sorting them, and I came across tokens. Yeah, or art, sorry, art cards from Baldur's Gate, and there are some art cards that on the back of it, it has like D and D details on it. 
Yes. I I realized that and I went, I need all of them. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just made that because I've played Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I've sat there and rolled dice. I hate math, but I rolled <laughs> dice. And uh, and just seeing that because I'm also kind of in my free time just brewing a building a homebrew. Okay. Like, full campaign. Yeah. And it was like, that is awesome. I'm stealing this idea and just making like little note cards instead of doing like note cards or yeah. actual things. No, I'm just going to do them on playing cards. Nice. So with Baldur's Gate, we ended up with a couple returning mechanics. We had Myriad, which came back. We had Adventure. We had Goad. Um, we had Roll a D20, which was kind of a returning mechanic. It came from Adventures of Forgotten Realms. They had it was more like roll a die, but in in uh, Baldur's Gate it was really more often roll a d twenty. But then we had some new mechanics. We had the initiative, which we've already spoken about, has upended legacy. The okay. initiative being similar to the monarch and how you get it. It's it, initiative is both monarch and venturing to the dungeon. Right, combined into one one ability. And then we also had the backgrounds, which was a new take on partner commanders. Which, again, when we're talking about a limited format for Battle for Baldur's Gate, it was a Commander Legends idea. And so they wanted to make sure that you could draft these commander decks in a way that would have give you a functional deck, but be different than the original Commander Legends. And so these commanders, the, the creatures also could not partner with the original Commander Legends as well as the partner commanders from previous sets. So they developed this idea of choose a background, and it worked out really, really well. Uh, I don't, I, I, this, is, this is incredibly clever. I know originally I looked at it and went, you've got to be kidding me. Seriously, this is what you're going to do? But it's actually turned out to be great, and it has change the game enough to where you have to think about it and you can incorporate these cards, but it's not format breaking to where you have to play around them or constantly think about them as you're you're brewing your deck. And with Baldur's Gate, it surprised me yet again with how powerful uncommons can be. Yes. Because there's uh, it's the Scion one. Because it's the background? Yeah. Yeah. The It's a mono black... Oh, well, all the backgrounds are mono colors. Yes. It's the black background, and it gives you a sacrifice outlet, I believe. No, wait, sorry, that's Street Urchin. You can pay one to sac sacrifice a creature to ping one. That one is the uh, card advantage. Oh, the one that you, you, you draw an extra card, and yeah. you have to put something into your graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one turns out to be very powerful. Yes. I actually contemplated on putting that into my Conrad deck. Yeah. Just so that I could go, oh, you'll be nice in the graveyard. Yo yeah, yoink. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeet. <laughs> exactly. But no, backgrounds were great. Uh, and I know, like I said, Commander Legends gets a bad reputation because of some of the other things around it, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But as, as a standalone set, I loved it. I thought it was really unique, very different, and when you when you think about it self-contained, initiative and the backgrounds 
the Return of Myriad adventure mechanic, which fits so well in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. And of course, rolling dice. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it seemed like Battle for Boulder's Gate really hit the nail on the head and did some great things for the commander format. In addition to providing a lot of great legends for us to build decks around. And then following that was Dominaria United, which brought back uh, Domain, Kicker, Sagas, and the new one, and List. That's really about it when it came to mechanics. <laughs> like <laughs> That one, it was nice because, well, it feels like, I, I know it was like two, three years ago at this point. When we had the original Dominaria. Oh, you you mean Dominaria prior to uh, War of the Spark? Yes. Okay, that, that Dominaria like, set, yeah. Well, actually, I think it's been more than three years. but Yeah, it, it, it has been, yeah. <laughs> but it feels like it was not that long ago, and yeah. we're going back to it. We're going back to Dominaria so soon, and it's just like, I kind of... Like we went to we went to Kamigawa. We hadn't been there in over a decade. Mm-hmm. Streets of New Capenna was new. Baldur's Gate was a completely new design space. Yeah, awesome. Let's go back to Dominaria. Like that, Dominaria United and Brothers War is kind of like where I started to like kind of fall off a little bit, just because mm-hmm. we're on Dominaria again. On Dominaria, again. So it's just, I like new places, new things. But with Brothers War, we did get Power Stones, which yeah. is which are absolutely phenomenal. Yep. Uh, they brought back Unearth, Surveil, and Meld cards. That was cool. And then a new ability of Prototype. The only one, the only, like, meld card that I don't have anything of is Urza. But I have half of um, Mishra. And I have half of... uh, Titania. Titania. Yeah. I have the land for Titania and then the creature for um, Mishra. See, I have have Mishra, claimed by Gix, and I have the, the Dragon Engine. I'm working on a commander deck around them. I do not have any for Titania. I don't have the, the creature or the land. And then I have uh, the Might Stone and the Weak Stone. But I'm still trying to hunt down an Urza. Um, so Ur- I, so Urza is a meld of three cards? No, no, no. Urza is Might... The Might Stone and the oh. Weak Stone are one card. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, they are one card together. And see, that's... I really liked going back to Dominaria. Um, I didn't care too much for Dominaria United as a set. But that is just mostly because of my own play style. Um, Brothers War, I just haven't gotten to play it very much because of the time it came out and everything. But I know you had said we're going back to Dominaria. For me, Dominaria is home. and Because I started playing in Onslaught, and all we had known up to that point was Dominaria. That was it. Dominary was the only place. And when, in fact, when they said, well, now we're going to leave Dominaria and we're going to explore the multiverse, a lot of people were up in arms. What What do you mean? 
What do you mean we're leaving Dominaria? What, how, how could you? What is this Mirrodin that you're talking about? What do you mean we're going to somewhere else? And what's this Mirrodin? Yeah, what is this Mirrodin that you're talking about? <laughs> one, uh, one broken format later. Right. <laughs> well, one broken set later. Well, block. Block. One broken block later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a different story. But no, I I was really excited to go back to to Dominaria, not so much because of the mechanics, um, because of the lore and because the story. of the lore and and the familiarity and going back home and the, the Vorthos in you exactly. Um, even with Brothers War, it hasn't been so much that I want to play. I want to get involved. I want to, you know, draft the set and I want to play the set. It's more like, okay, I want a copy of that card and that card and that card and that card because I know all these characters. I, I recognize all of them. They are, they are the high school kid in me, the nostalgia <clears throat> of when I first started playing in the early 2000s. Uh, in fact, I was doing some cleaning today, and I found the 2003 rule book that I printed off when I first started learning to play. And I, I'm, I'm going to go through it and look at the differences between the current rule book and the 2003 version just to see how it's changed in 20 years. To start, there are only five major sections of the 03 rule book. There are now nine sections in the current rule book. Just to give you a starter, but that's you know again that's and that's the the judge in me, but all right, but sorry, I kind of misspoke with Brothers War. <laughs> it's not we're going back to Dominaria again. It's we're going back to Dominaria in the past, right? But, and it it didn't seem like okay. Why are we going back in the past? The story isn't so prominent and featured anymore. So when when you start here, well, we're going back to the past. Why? Why are we doing this? You know, are you just trying to bring back the nostalgia? If that's the case, that's okay. But if that's not the case and there's a reason they're going back to the past, you need to make that very clear. I know the reason. Well, I know the reason. But oh. they're not <laughs> they're not hyping that up. They're not making that a part of why we're going back there. Oh, so uh there was a new mechanic debuted in Kamigawa that came back in Brothers War. Sorry, uh, sorry, Dominaria United. Completed. Oh, yes. We did see completed Planeswalkers. You're correct. That is right. A Johnny. Yeah. Someone rubbed that kitty's belly too long. Then or he went Johnny. all feral. <laughs> <laughs> now, right. outside of our premiere featured sets, we did have um, Unfinity, which was a lot of fun, even oh. though, even though it hasn't, like, taken off or anything and, and the unsets never do but it was a lot of fun we had the ticket counters we had dice rolling we had attractions and we had stickers <laughs> for what they're worth but it was a, a great unique in ingenious well-designed set part of unfinity didn't take off as soon as they spoiled right. one card everyone went oh my god this is gonna break it yeah. And that card was saw in half because yes. we we sat down and brainstormed all the different fun things we could do with it. Yeah. Thankfully, it hasn't made its way into Legacy or, or anything like that that much. Um, and honestly, I haven't even seen it in Commander games, which I figured you would see that a little more frequently. I have saw in half in my uh, Conrad. Okay. Just because death and then I will... Right. And then I also... 
uh, my favorite target is uh, uh, Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Oh, yeah, that's a great target. <laughs> uh, Grey Merchant of Asphodel and also Massacre Worm. Oh, yeah, that's another great target, yeah. <laughs> uh, Massacre Girl, even though she is a legendary and the legend rule takes effect. Yeah, but then you run into... Like, Massacre Girl gets rid of your creatures, too, and Massacre Worm only gets rid of opponent's stuff. So, well, with, but you're right, it's still a great target. I, I mean, it's just fun. Yeah. It's just fun being able to go, hey, I'm going to kill this. Hey, I get more payoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much in it that's beautiful. Um, One that I found is actually really fun to saw in half is uh, Stinkweed Imp. Oh, is that the dredge one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you have to kill it, and it makes two copies. He goes to the graveyard, go to draw a card, dredge five. Dredge it back, yeah. Dredge it back into my hand, put it back. Yeah. Works really nice with the sack outlet. That is, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Plus, it has, like, pseudo death touch. Mm -hmm. So, I got two blockers, and then I can dredge, and it just center. Conrad, uh, I actually toyed with the idea of getting a sticker sheet of gold stars and just putting gold stars on his deck box. <laughs> For every time you, you win yes. with him? Yeah. Or yeah. every time he does phenomenal. <laughs> and then after Unfinity, we got Double Masters 2022, which is yet another master set where they bring back a whole bunch of... Uh, they do a whole bunch of reprints, sprinkle in a couple of new cards, and... I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, there were a lot of different mechanics there. Nothing new. Uh, and uh, there's just a bunch of controversy surrounding Double Masters, but... I mean, there, there's nothing really new to talk about it, because like I said, it's it's all reprints, and all the mechanics have been seen before by this point, so... The last on the sets that we can talk about are the Transformers cards <laughs> that were part of the Brothers War. Um, but only found in the set boosters. Only found in the set boosters, that's correct. Um, they really only had two mechanics. There was Living Metal and what, what's the other? Uh, con convert. Convert. Um, which basically allowed you to play them as the vehicle or the creature version of the card you know i i'm not excited about the transformers cards do i have the ones that i opened yes mostly because i happen to open an optimus prime and a megatron all right so but you don't have the ultra magnus no i don't but i i have them i'm going to hang on to them because i'm sure at some point someone will come looking for them but do i care about them otherwise no do I want to see them in my game of Magic the Gathering? No. Uh, not, I, not one bit. <laughs> I threw them into the uh, end of the pile of cards that I'm currently brewing for uh, the new Johto, Legendary Matters. Oh, okay. Like Legendary Creatures, just yeah. because... Hey! Yeah, it's another legend. Yeah. Know. So, I guess... So we started looking at the whole year. My least interesting mechanic to me was Casualty. Coming out of New Capanna. It was, it was a unique idea for how you could copy spells. I don't think it took off as well as people would like. I know that the commander deck built around it works really, really well. But I think like 
they were trying to go with a Grixis aristocrat idea. And like any aristocrats deck, if it's not built right and executed right, it doesn't work. And I, I know that from firsthand experience, you have to build those right. And they, they are tricky to build correctly. And so I think casualty had a lot of, a lot of potential, but at the end of the day, I was never overly impressed with it. I never thought it worked as well in the limited format. I never thought it worked well in the standard format. And about the only what time it did work well was the one commander deck where you made casualty the primary focus of the game. What about you, Chris? Mine is like a majority of the returning mechanics. Those one, I just like seeing something new. Mm-hmm. And like Streets of New Capenna, beautiful, all new abilities, all new right. mechanics. Uh, Kamigawa, I like the idea of modified reconfigure is always fun. Um, and then Baldur's Gate, yes, it brought back Myriad, but it was the first time that I got to play with Myriad. Right. Yeah. And then also Adventure, but they expanded. They added so many more adventure they did. cards. They added a lot of adventure cards. It wasn't reprints. Um, Enlist was kind of meh. But the one mechanic that I absolutely loved seeing come back was Unearth. Because Unearth debuted in uh, the Alara block. Oh, yeah. In it was, it was the Grixis mechanic. It yeah. was the Grixis mechanic. And guess where I started playing? Um. Shards of Alara. I started playing in Shards of Alara. So yeah. with Brothers War, I went I kind of got to go back home a little bit. Right. Yeah. So we talk so those were our least interesting. What is our what did we find the most interesting for the mechanics? I liked Power Stones. Now I know a lot of people will think this is kind of strange, but the when we got Power Stones in Dominaria United. We saw them on the Karn Planeswalker, and that was it. That was the only place that made Power Stones. And a lot of people had, had speculated, so this is not the first time that Wizards has put something in a set where they're introducing the mechanic, but it won't really come to fruition until a set or two down the road where they'll still both be in standard at the same time. And that really worked out in this case. Power Stones have become an important part of the Brothers War limited environment, and they still haven't made big splashes into the, uh, the standard environment or the Pioneer or anything like that, primarily because standard is dominated by black cards right now, as opposed to blue-green, which is where a lot of the Power Stones happen to be. But Power Stones make a huge alteration to how the game gets played and, and what you can use them to for, for as mana and how you can spend that mana a little bit it, it just it ended up being a really interesting mechanic that gets all it can warp the game in subtle ways if you use it correctly chris what was your favorite mechanic two actually the first one shield counters the second one, stun counters. 
stun counters, there were, I think we only found like three, like four, four cards. Four cards total. But they were important cards. But they were so nice. Yeah. Because they do stuff that we've already been doing. They just kind of, they just kind of gave it a name. Yeah. And typically you saw that, you mostly saw it on like, in like blue cards. Yeah. All Which of blue has always struggled for some type of real long-term removal. And they, yeah. and it was always like, um, and before it, it was always like tap target creature. It doesn't untap during their next untap step. Yeah. But with stun counters, it's put three, I think there's one that puts three stun counters on it, which means it doesn't untap for three of their turns. Right. Which is... Well, or three times when it's supposed to untap, it removes a stun counter instead. Yeah, so you could use, yeah. untap something to re use something to untap target whatever. Yeah. Oh, and you can proliferate those counters too. Yeah. Which proliferate wasn't in DMU or Brothers War, but there are a lot of those from sets prior that, you know, when you start thinking about Commander and, and, the, and uh, Modern, you know, proliferate becomes a little bit more viable, and so you can proliferate those counters and extend that tap down for a lot longer. And the other and shield counters, I think I kind of touched on that a little bit yeah. earlier, just because shield counters were really cool. Oh yeah, plus being able to put multiple shield counters onto something and just yeah. make it really hard to get rid of. Yes, please. All right, yeah. so that was our interesting mechanic, most and least interesting mechanics. So let's touch on some of the new decks that we built over this past year. Get ready, guys. This is a long list of decks that we built. <laughs> and I only... Uh, so the first two categories, which is which we have down as Standard and Pioneer, I didn't really, really build any of those just because I don't really play those formats. Mm -hmm. But, Joe, I do see you have a few in there. So... For the standard format, I built budget decks, mostly because our, our LGS was bringing back standard or trying to bring back standard, and I wanted to play, but I didn't want to invest a lot, so I did build, build a Demir Ninjas deck when Kamigawa came in. I built a Jund Blitz deck when Streets of New Capenna came in, and then for the memes, because I wanted to, I built a Demir Defender deck from the Dominary United set. Uh, the Defender was like a little sub-theme within the entire set built out of the Esper colors. I didn't have enough of the white cards available to incorporate it, so I just made mine blue-black. But Demir Defender actually did pretty well, <laughs> so I was pleased with it. For Pioneer, you and I were both really interested in the regional championship. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately... There wasn't one close by that worked for our schedules when we were able to do it, so we never got to go play this year. But I was heavily interested in my Orzov prison deck that was built around Doom Foretold and trying to you know, take away your resources and everything. And I know it worked well, but I never got to go play it at an RCQ. Uh, I also built a Rakdos version of that, which... Um, was able to it, it worked off the same kind of an idea, stripping my opponents of resources and trying to be very aggressive in the long run. Uh, obviously, did not include Doom Foretold, 
but was a lot of discard cards and being able to play things out of my opponent's deck, just stripping them of the resources and everything. But again, I tried to build on a budget, except the Orzhov Prison deck. I did drop a little bit of money into some Thought Seizes and Fatal Pushes and stuff for, for that deck. So I have those, which I'm glad, but at the end of the day, we didn't get to go play it. So maybe next year. We'll see what happens. Modern. Chris, what do you build for Modern? As usual, red deck wins. Oh, you red deck player. It's funny. Well, like, <laughs> when I play Modern, like, yeah. Yes, I'll play, like, really jank, funny decks. But if I want to... But if I am feeling competitive, I go to the tried and true, red deck wins, and I just fill it with as much burn and aggro as I can. You really can't go wrong, though. And... The whole premise of Red Deck Win is to start the game swinging and don't let up. But the way that I took my Red Deck Wins is think of it as, well, it's still RDW, but it's Red Deck Weenies. Yeah. Because I did a bunch of, uh, like, one like one power creatures. Mm -hmm. And I have, like, Clavalcade, Cavalcade of Calamity and Raid Bombardment. Yeah. Didn't you have Torbrand in there, too? Torbrand's in right. there, uh, and then there's Scorch Spitter, which whenever he attacks, whenever he's declared as an attacker, he deals one damage, and so if I yeah. have Torbrand out, if I have Torbrand and a Cavalcade out, when he attacks, he's bolting something. Yeah. Then Cavalcade is bolting the defending player, and then there's three damage on the ground. So exactly. a total of nine damage yeah. in just declaring one creature as an attacker. And so I just took it as low to the ground, as as aggressive and as low to the ground as I could. Right. And just, it actually did a lot of work. It did. It was, it was a solid deck. It was incredibly disappointing for me to play against it. You trounced me. But <laughs> it was a well-built deck. It really was. So I built a Rakdos Rogues deck, uh, which was a play off of the Rakdos Prison idea, just adapting it from Modern. And then I took the Orzhov Prison deck from Pioneer and adapted that for Modern as well, really just swapping out cards. And the same thing really worked with Legacy. I Again, building off of a budget, I'm looking at the cards that I have, trying not to invest a huge amount of money. Um, so for Legacy, we did do a couple Legacy weekends at, at our LGS, and I had a Rakdos Rogues deck that I put together. Same idea, just trying to go low to the ground. Um, steal my opponent's stuff and make it so it's difficult for them to play anything. I also had a Rakdos discard deck for a weekend, and it worked well, except I went up against another discard deck when I played it, <laughs> and it turns out his discard deck was better than my discard deck, so I ended up losing to his mono black discard deck, but... At the end of the day, I mean, I was still pleased with it. It worked fine. It just, obviously, it wasn't a meta deck, so it wasn't going to do well. Uh, but yeah, so there's, that's what I did. You have a nice legacy deck down here that I know none, nobody liked to play against, but it was really good. So I've taken that deck apart, rebuilt it, taken it apart, rebuilt it, moved cards from, from it over into a tiny leader and then into a commander, but I still have, like, the deck list for it, and it's my mono blue mill. And it's just absolutely fun. For you. For me. <laughs> yes, yes. For Not me. for your opponent. <laughs> I, I mean, 
It was a, again. It was a great deck though, and it frustrated a lot of people. Forgotten what Forgotten Realms. Yeah, gave me Tasha's hideous laughter. Yeah, and then not a mill card, but still got rid of a lot of cards, especially when it went up against my Rakdos deck because everything was like one and two. Mm-hmm. So having to exile twenty CMC worth of cards mean meant you got rid of ten to fifteen cards when you played it when you played uh, Tasha's hideous laughter. Uh, I found that, uh, uh, Roger's, uh, shadow deck, mm-hmm. his legacy shadow deck, mono blue mill beats it. Yeah. Every single time because all of his stuff is like yours. Again, low to the ground. <laughs> it is low costing, low to the ground. And so one Tasha's hideous laughter. Right. Paired nicely with a couple of drowned secrets. Or Bruvac. Or oh, Bru- no, Bru- sorry, Bruvac doesn't apply to Tasha City Slachter, sorry. Um, with a couple of uh, Drowned Secrets. Yeah. So as soon as I cast it, they're milling cards, and then once that trigger resolves, then it's, all right, count to 20. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a great deck. And moving along, you built a number of tiny leader decks this year. Tell yeah. us about them. Uh, well, at one point, I had 10. Hold on, one, two, sorry. I had eight. Okay. Eight built and three more, three or four more that were being that are being brewed. But I build tiny leaders to be more of a proof of concept idea. Okay. Um Bruvac, I had as a tiny leader, and I am now going to be building him as a full fledged commander deck. Yes. You um, can't go wrong there. My uh Rogra Arden deck. What started out as a tiny leader. It's now a full-fledged commander deck. Um, Chatterfang started out as a tiny leader. It yeah. is now a full-fledged commander deck. Yeah. Um, uh, Kaza, the Royal Chaser. Uh, Kaza, Royal Chaser. Mm-hmm. He is now a commander deck. Well, he's in a commander deck. I decided to put Niv-Mizzet as the head of it. Just because it's admits it. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, like, I build, I love building tiny leaders just because it's such a creative process. Trying yeah. to find workarounds because of, like, cards that you want to play but are too high of a CMC. So you have to find something that's very similar to it, but at three or less. And... There are some cards where I had to go way back to find something similar. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure. So it just got me into, it gets me thinking outside the box and and whatnot. Yeah. And I've gotten players at our LGS into tiny leaders as well. Yeah. So it's a good place to uh, test. So with tiny leaders being tiny commanders, let's segue over into the commander decks that we built. I only have a few of mine up here, but Joe, you look like you have a list. Oh, I built a lot of commander <laughs> decks this year. <laughs> I thought last year I built a lot of commander decks. This year, this year I topped it. Yeah. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. So, I uh, I built Anti Blight, Bad Influence, and that one is she's from the Jumpstart 2022. Great card. And Trying it, to get my hands on a copy. And yeah. it. That whole deck premise is self-burn because with whenever anti-blight's out on the field, if 
a source I control deals damage to me. I put that many plus one plus one counters on her. And then I can pay to pay one red and tap her, remove X plus one plus one counters from her, and she deals X damage to any target. Well, you put lifelink on her and it gets and you get all yeah. that back. Uh, you put you have a fiery emancipation on the field. Oh, oh yeah, I swung in. That'll do it. <laughs> I swung in for fifteen damage before fire emancipation. It turned oh, into forty five. Oh, commander damage oh. in the air with lifelink. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's painful. And the best part of all, I was at eighteen life when I swung, and I went. Up to 63. Wow. In one swing. Knocked one guy out, went back up, and then the <laughs> and the other guy was playing, uh, it was oh. only a three-player game, uh-huh. and the other guy was playing Rat Tribal, with like, and he had like 30 relentless rats in his deck. Wait, who's the commander on his Rat Tribal? Maro Nar? Maro Nar? Uh. Nar. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. All I know is that's that, right. All I know is it's relentless rats, and uh, and then I just went, okay, your go. Can you kill me? No. Okay, I swing. <laughs> I win, and that was the first game that I played with her. The second game, I lost. Well, yeah, they know what, how your deck works at that point. Well, that was with a completely different group. Oh, okay. It, it's just that I didn't get the cards that I gotcha. I yeah, that happens. There was one guy that was goading and controlling everything. Oh, that's going to be tough. And then yeah. there was, it, it was just really tough to build around. Yeah. And then I also, uh, so we built undecks, which is, which are cards, decks that have like all of the joke set. It only has joke set cards in it. Yeah. And the first one that I built was, it came from Planet Glurg, which is all about like copying multiple creatures onto one Onto my commander. Yes. It it was just too clunky. And so I retooled it. I don't know. The time we played it in the three player, or it was the, the five five player where three of us were playing Undex, you copied some pretty good stuff. It, it worked really well. The reason why it was clunky is because it's only as powerful as what's on the board. You're right. So, but if you have plenty of stuff on the board to pick from, it's really, really good. So I changed it. Okay. To the most dangerous gamer. Attractions? Yes. Yes. Uh, and, Quite good. <laughs> and I am actually—I have one of every copy of Attraction, except for two of them. Wow. I'm nice. only missing two Attractions. Nice. And Well, they're cheap. They're easy to get a copy of. Uh, I would just proxy them. Yeah. Well, at that rate, yeah. <laughs> um, And that one, I have... I haven't play tested it yet, but I'm also putting together an order for more cards. Mm-hmm. But I have to get another order together so that I can hit the free shipping. Of course. And so that so I'll be play testing it as is now, figuring out what I want to put in, and then another notable one, like I said, was a tiny leader before, is now a full fledged commander, and that is Chatterfang, and you have played against it. Played on the same team as it. And it is fun. It is. It's a good deck. All right, so those are my notable. Uh, Do you want to do your whole list? Yeah, but we're going to go through it pretty quick. So 
I built a lot of commander decks this year. Um, in no particular order. I built Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer, which was a commander found in the Obscura Precon from... Or the Commander Precon from the uh, Obscura uh, family. Yeah, New Capenna set. A lot of fun. And it allows me to discard cards out of my hand and then play them after I discard them. It's great. I love it. It's one that I've kept together. Uh, I built Gerard, Golgari Lichlord. This one is a Golgari deck that lets me sacrifice creatures and have the whole table lose life. We're going to talk more about that one in a little bit. But Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief is a Mutate Bestow deck. This one came from Dominary United, and I, I found it really interesting right off the bat, just like a lot of other people did. And, of course, the judge in me wanted to make this as complicated rules-wise as possible. When, when I played against it, <laughs> I, I had flashbacks to your Judge Breaker deck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... I still have Ivy. It's fun, but it did turn out to be a lot more powerful than we anticipated. So it stays on the shelf unless we're going for a higher power game. A Perforos Sneak Attack deck, which, again, this is just big, dumb red creatures, and I enjoy playing it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Suyara Banding. Now, this deck came because this card had been sitting at our LGS for months. I just saw it there. I'm like, you know what? It has banding and it gives birds plus one plus one. It's a buck and a half. We're gonna do it. <laughs> and so I bought it on a whim. And it's it's been a lot of fun. It's it's not a, a high powered deck. You know, it's it's not a it's not one that I'm gonna sit down and be like, all right, we're playing a high powered game. I'm gonna pull out banding birds. No, but it is fun. It's different. It's unique. And and I do like that. I have my Temet Politics deck. This is another commander that actually came from the Obscura Precon. This one is designed to make the table talk to each other. Oh, that's, so, that's the voting one. That Yeah, a lot of the cards involve voting, and so we have to talk or, or get people on my side so that we can actually work the table together. Um, so that's a lot of fun. Kozilek Eldrazi Tribal was really more of a challenge for me. Can I build a colorless deck? And, and I did. It, it works. I mean, it works well enough. It's had some really awesome moments, like where I countered morality shift at the, to, to win the game. That, um, that, that I'm still salty about. It's also had some times where I got basically shut down three times in one game and just said, screw it. And I was done at that point after somebody nuked all of our lands. And I just said, I'm done. That's it. I'm out. I don't want to play this game anymore. There was one game that you play that I played you and you were playing your Kozilek, and you actually cast your commander. It was yeah. the first time you had actually cast your commander, and I turn around and kill it. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, Orvar the All Form. This is the probably the most budget deck I have ever built that could actually compete at a high power table. Um, you ramp so hard yes. in mono blue. <laughs> yes, it's I do. It's not even funny. Um, I still have Orvar. It it will not go away, but it is, again, one of those that I only pull out at high-powered games because, again, it it's one of those decks that once it gets going, it just keeps going and going and going. And if you can't shut it down, it it's just it's going to keep keep going. Yeah. I, I knew something was going to be up with that commander. 
when whenever you pulled it out, you also pulled out a small stack of copy tokens. Yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't even have enough copy tokens. You were to borrow- actually yeah. You were <laughs> borrowing you were borrowing my paper token, like my blank tokens for you. Yeah. So you can be like, all right, I have, how many lands did you I think I ended up with 24, 25 lands at one point. Yeah. And it was only like turn eight. Yeah. It, it was, it, it's busted. Um, <laughs> and, but it's so cheap because a lot of the cards that you use are penny cards from previous sets. So it's, it's a great budget, but high powered deck. I built Rafik of the many based off of the exalted mechanic. I don't play it anymore. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I built a Lorene and Camber partner deck that was built off of Targeted Goad, which was fun for a little while, but we don't use it anymore. I liked, I wanted to put the cards elsewhere, but it was fun for a little while. Uh, Satoru Umezawa, my ninjutsu deck, which is another one that was not suspected to be that powerful, but it is that powerful when you start looking at the ninjutsu ability and what you can ninjutsu into play. Uh, so we, we've played that a couple times, and it, it has dominated every time I've played it. So I, I remember, because you and I, we both built, we talked about this in the yeah. ninjutsu episode, we both built them, but we focused on the different aspects of it. Yeah. And I actually took Satoru apart. I broke him down just because he, like... Even though I was doing different things like every game, I was mm-hmm. doing the same thing every yeah. game. I was going in, it's like, hey, he's unblockable, swing. Here's this giant guy. Yeah, but that's the whole point of Satoru. It, it is a one-trick pony that works really well, and you just keep going at it. Out of the same set, I built Goshentai of Life's Origin, which... So Goshentai was interesting uh, because I had a Shrines deck prior to Goshentai, prior to the, the, the Goshentai's coming out in Neon Dynasty, I had a Shrines deck uh, built off of Sisse Weatherlight Captain or whatever the five-color Sisse was named. I think, yeah. That lets me go get Legends, yeah. Legendary Permanents. Anyway, Equal to our power. Right. So I, I had a Shrines deck, and I really liked it. It was fun. And so I thought, oh, good. I can just upgrade my Shrines deck, and now it'll be Goshentai, and I have new Shrines to put in there, and it'll be great. But along the way, other powerful Enchantress cards had come out. I actually didn't put a lot of money into building Goshentai because I had most of the cards already. So it was really easy for me to put it back together. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't invest a lot of money in it. I just pulled the Goshentai out of a pack because I played against a Goshentai deck. And after playing against it once... I've, I actually never played my Goshentai deck. No, not once did I ever play it. I, I mean, I tested it, you know. Yeah. But but once I saw the power of Goshentai and having to go up against it, I realized that it just it was not for our playgroup. It's not what our playgroup likes to do. It's not what our LGS people like to do. So I just took it apart. It was It was way over the top. I built Cecily Haunted Mage, which was designed to be a weird fill my hand with cards and then play spells for free deck. We'll talk about that one a little bit more. Um, my my Mazzy Aura's deck is really the, the Enchantress deck that I had hoped Goshen Tai would be, but Goshen Tai was too busted and not fun to play against. 
Mazzy is a lot more fun to play against, and there's actually a chance for the opponent. Not much of one, because it's still a really powerful deck in how it's put together. That's the Naya one where the the enchantments go back. If it if it's an aura that enchanted a creature, it goes back. The aura, the enchantment goes back to your hand, right? Uh, it gets exiled for a turn, mm -hmm. and I have until the end of my next turn to play it again from exile. And and Mazzy is one. It's an aura deck. It is. It's it's not an enchantress. It's auras. But it does have some enchantress mechanics in it that allow me to you know, draw cards and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but it was—it's a lot of fun, and it is a—it's pow another powerful deck that I can sit down at a high-powered table with a three-color deck and not be concerned about: Am I going to be able to hang with these people? Yes, yes, I am. I'm going to be able to hang with these people. I have enough enough enchantments that distract away from me yet at the same time i can power up my own creatures it'll be fine i built my own infinity deck well undeck based off of old buzzbark after your heralding of how how much fun this could be and of course we played against an undeck at our lgs one of the guys there has one uh, and he sort of was the the, the person the catalyst. To sell. yeah he, he was the catalyst and he sold us on how much fun these could be and so I built Old Buzzbark. It's a dice-rolling gruel deck. Great time. We got to play my deck, your deck, and his deck in a pod. Um, and we had fun. It was great. And we actually sold the other two guys that were in the pod on building undecks. You know, because they saw how much fun it could be and how cheap it is to build a fun undeck. So they were sold on the idea. And so we'll get... I like that it's different. It's unique. And we are getting more people involved in this. Not something we want to do on a regular basis. It's just one of those, like, I need to pick me up. This, exactly. Let's just do something stupid. We're, we're doing something fun that is not designed in any way to be competitive. <laughs> we're just, we're going to sit down for a little while, and we're just going to have a good time. The most notable part about that game was at one point, you had uh, the, the luck one. Oh, the one that gave me luck counters? Yeah. Yeah. For whatever you rolled, you put that many luck counters on it equal to the results. Yeah. And at one point, one of the players was like, all right, so the average roll is this. <laughs> he's sitting at this. He's going to be rolling one, two, three. He's going to be rolling seven dice. Guaranteed that... seven dice on the turn. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's rolling a guaranteed seven dice. Odds are he's getting at least 21 counters per turn. It's like, <laughs> I, I think it was like eight it came out to like 18 and a half was the average right. for all the dice you were rolling. It's like, and he needs 17 to win. Does anyone have enchantment removal? Right. <laughs> no, wait, I think it even has hexproof. Yes, the, the enchantment had hexproof, yes. Like, we, we need a board wipe or an exile. We need mass exile. We were trying to find answers to that. And we, that, like all of the undecks that we've played... They are always so much fun and a lot of fun memories. Yeah. All right, so, so what's I, your last well, one? I have one more, and I'm actually finishing it up today, like right before we were recording, I finished it up. Uh, I haven't gotten to play it or anything. It's actually Felon of Havenwood. Now, this is a commander back from the Time Spiral block. All right, that's why I don't know it. He puts... He gives... Creatures with spore counters on them, plus one, plus one for each spore counter on the creature. Now, spore counters are a unique counter to phallids. 
So, plus I can exile a fungus creature. Yeah, I can exile a fungus creature from my graveyard to put a spore counter on all the creatures I control. So it's it's a fungus deck. <laughs> Please tell me. No, wait, that doesn't affect it. Never mind. So it, it's a Golgari fungus deck. Um, and it, it's fungus tribal. But again, it's unique. It's different. And when I start looking at the decks that we have built throughout the year, if there's one overarching theme that I can see, it's unique is what we like to do. We, you and I both, we like to build unique, different, obscure decks. Do we like to build the, the mainstream stuff? Yes. Yes, we do. We like to build the mainstream stuff. Too. I, I mean, with every set, I find one or two cards to upgrade right. my Sir Conrad. Right. Well, like, uh, but even like then, I find stuff to like upgrade it, but at yeah. the same time, I'm also like, I'm looking at all of these like weird and crazy legendary creatures and right. going, well, that'd be fun. Well, I mean, it has this ability, but I could tweak it to do this. Exactly. And it would still work. <laughs> like I'm, uh, one deck that I'm working on right now is a Volo deck. Oh, right, the, the one, the, the single creature type well, guy, right? Yeah, well, not single. Uh, it's different. You get to draw a card for each creature noted. Oh, right. But what I'm doing is I'm building it as, like, all of them, all of the creatures will share one type. But okay. there's going to be multiple other, like, subtypes. Oh, okay. Like, human artificer, human shaman. Okay. So that it's all going to be, like, humans. Yeah, uh, I'm actually building it as, like, a human tribal. Okay. And all of their different subtypes, after, you mm -hmm. know, they're all humans, but they all have different, like, shaman, wizard. And I'm just trying to find, like, all of these really weird, obscure oh, that ones cool. that are just, like, I just have to get my, I just have to get, get them out with the, uh, I just have to get that one legendary artifact out. Yeah. And then I can just start dropping things and just, oh, oh. Uh, I'm not going to do human. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm just going to, and I'm working on making a like small little like notebook. Yeah. That just says Bolo's journal on it <laughs> <laughs> and just start writing it in it. There you go. So we all built a lot of decks. You and I both. Um, what was your favorite? So it's a toss up. Like I said, in the whenever I talked about the decks that I built, Anti-Blight. I've only played it twice. It has a 1-1 one, one mm -hmm. ratio, but it's just it's just one of those cards that had a different design space. Right. Like I am just I was so used to playing burn as in like burn my opponents. Yeah. Not burn myself. Yeah. <laughs> it it was I am a I enjoy playing my black decks. Yeah. I'm used to suicide black. Yeah. It was just so much fun building that deck as a suicide red deck. Well, but even then, in in the black version, you typically have ways to gain the life back. Multiple ways to gain the life back. So you're not as concerned. In a red deck, that's much more difficult. To five artifacts. <laughs> exactly. I have five artifacts <laughs> that, to gain me life back. That's much harder. <laughs> well, sorry, five equipments and one artifact. But Either again, Flex Reservoir. The, the point stands, <laughs> it's much harder to do in Mono Red than yes. it is in Mono Black. Um, And then, so, Anti-Blight, 
just because she's so new she, and she's fun. Oh, yeah. But Chatterfang. That one is, like, my favorite from this year. Just because I've wanted to build it for so long. Mm -hmm. Right. Ever since Modern Horizons 2 premiered and, and it, the card was spoiled, I knew you were excited about Chatterfang. And, like, and then I finally got my hands on it. I think you gave me the You gave me my copy. I think no, I I bought it for you, yeah, because I just I it happened to be there. Yeah, when I was when I was at the LGS, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't want, I knew you wanted it. I didn't want someone else to snag it up before you got a, your hands on it. <laughs> yeah, so you got me Chatterfang, and then I just started like building it, and then just it. Lately, I've been hesitant to build tribal decks just mm -hmm. because it seems like they Aww. all they all kind of yeah all run the same like they all have the same stuff and with chatterfang it's aristoc it's squirrel tribal aristocrats yeah which is completely different which is phenomenal plus i have like parallel lives in it yeah and then we also and then during one of the game one of the games playing i realized oh it's not just my it's not just my i thought it was my commander no it's any target gets the uh Gets the buff. Yeah. <laughs> In parentheses. Right, yeah. <laughs> Air quotes, buff. Because it get, I can sacrifice, I can pay a black, sacrifice uh, sacrifice a squirrel or sacrifice X squirrels, and target creature gets plus X minus X. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, you just swung in with that. All right, I'm going to, oh, it's sacrifice X squirrels. Oh, I'm going to pay a black sacrifice, five of these, target your creature. It gets plus five, minus five. Yeah, four toughness. Yep. Say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Like, chatter. And it was just that one little nuance that I, yeah, that aha moment. It was like, okay, this is going to be fun. Plus exactly. token doublings and oh, yeah. stuff like that. And the sleeper card that I have in it is bootlegger stash. Oh, that lets you create that, treasures. That lets yeah. me tap my lands for treasures. And yeah. so it's like, and then also having Academy Manufacturer out with that. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, at the end of your turn, I'm going to tap all seven of my lands. Create seven treasure tokens, which will give me seven treasure tokens, seven clues, seven food. And 21 squirrels. Yep. <laughs> oh, wait, I have parallel lives out. Make that. A lot more. <laughs> 42 squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, like, yeah. I, uh, that one has, like, I've just kind of fallen in love with it. Mm -hmm. And it's just so much fun. Plus, it's squirrels. So. And the, the sticker you got me is is a sticker that says, my other deck is squirrels. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm half tempted to put that one onto my onto Sir Conrad just because. Conrad, oh yeah, because your other deck. <laughs> put it on Sir Conrad just because he's my he's my favorite, and then Chatterfang is becoming is like my second favorite. So it's like my other deck is squirrels. So I guess that that sort of answers the question because I was wondering, can Chatterfang overthrow Sir Conrad as oh. your favorite deck? No, Conrad no. will always be my number one. There is a reason why. This, the deck is in black sleeves in a black deck box, but he is in a gold sleeve That's because true. he is the golden boy. He is the pony boy. He has stayed golden. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Conrad will always be my number one just because it's the 
Conrad's the first deck that I built that I really dove into Reanimator, yeah. and then I just realized how much fun it is, and I'm half tempted to throw Space Godzilla back into it. Oh yes, yeah. Just because. Just the, because. Just because it. That's one of the biggest reasons why I built Conrad, and so right. I need to put it back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite? Mine. Well, I I I liked my Orzhov Prison deck. So I because. I know we focus a lot on Commander. It's what we mostly play. But I really did like my Orzhov Prison deck. I'm disappointed that we didn't get to go to an RCQ and really find out how well it did. Um, but I am very pleased with it. I'm going to hold on to it. I haven't taken it apart yet. And I want to see how well it does if another RCQ opens up next year for Pioneer. I want to give it a shot and, and really take that back. But we didn't get an opportunity to do that this year. So maybe next year. Uh, but really, my new favorite deck that I find myself wanting to pull out a lot is Gerard Golgari Lichlord. Because this thing comes out of nowhere. Galta. The, 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 the premise of the deck is, of course, to play a lot of big power creatures that have a massive detrimental effect to me. But I don't care because I'm playing them for their low CMC, high power, and then I'm just going to sacrifice them to Gerard to have my all my opponents lose a bunch of life. What's great, though, is when they don't see it coming. We were I remember we were playing a game, and and I'm, we're, we're talking, we're having a good time, and everybody's doing their own thing, and they're talking about who's the biggest threat at the table, and I have like enough power on the board that if I sacrificed everything to Gerard right there, which I could have done, I would have wiped out the entire table and won the game. And it was a great, like almost, almost achievement-level feeling to be able to say as the, the, the opponent passed the turn to me, on his end step, I looked at everybody and said, Actually, guys, I'm the threat. <laughs> yeah, and I, I sacked I sacked all the creatures and killed everybody. And they they just went, you you did what? And, <laughs> and the best part of all is, I remember that one because you didn't win on your turn. No, I won on my opponent's end step. Mine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you won on my end step. It was, but it it's just such a fun deck that people don't see coming and. Typically, that's not the way people play Gerard. Because when I was looking it up and, and trying to build the deck, I had a difficult time because there was nothing online for me to go off of this deck. I built it off of his second ability, which is not how people normally build Gerard. They normally build him as more of like a Voltron commander where they're putting a bunch of things in the graveyard and then swinging in for commander damage. Whereas I said, nope, I'm going to put a bunch of big, dumb creatures on the board. If they make it a turn and I have to deal with their negative effect, so be it. But odds are, I'm just going to sacrifice them. And if I deal, if I sacrifice a rotting Regisar and deal 21 damage total to the board, I'm happy. <laughs> if people come after me after that, so be it. I dealt 21 damage. Deal with it, people. Um, so that that is probably the deck that I, I am most pleased with from this year because it was unique, it was different, and it worked multiple times. Again and again and again, it works. Uh, Your Gerard deck in the two-headed giant game. Oh, yeah. Your Gerard. Oh, yeah. My Conrad. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, oh, we we put, can't do that. Put my, I drop mind crank and go, all right. It's like, no, we're not allowed to do that. That would be too busted. We'd have to warn people in advance. Like, okay, we're planning this. Our decks work together. You have to be able to overcome this, you know. And, of course, they're going to look at us and go, Gerard and Sir Conrad, what do you mean? <laughs> Just wait. We'll show you. <laughs> Scheming symmetry. Hey, go get something. I'll get something, too. Yeah. <laughs> draw a card. Hey, look, it's a mind crank. Have fun. I do have to throw out an honorable mention to Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer. Um, this one, it's the discard cards and still get to play them deck. Mm -hmm. This was an overlooked commander from the pre-con deck, and, and you've seen it in play multiple times. It's kind of my go-to deck when we're just having fun and we just want to play and relax. That's the one where you actually had to take yourself out of a game because... Yes, because I screwed up so bad. That, because someone yeah. had killed your commander, but you were still playing like you were like you still had your mm -hmm. commander out, and you went and no one had stopped me, and and it was like yeah, I think it was like one or two it, turns. Well, it was multiple players. Yeah, by the t it wasn't. I I hadn't gotten another it, turn. Had, it had just gotten back to you, but we had multiple players go, and I had discarded cards and played them, and so we we couldn't continue. And, and I it was like up the game too much. And and I remember yeah. it's like uh yeah um I'm gonna have to take myself out of this. I'm, I've been playing this so wrong. Yeah. But it, it was, it's such a unique, it is the only commander that gives that opportunity in the way that it does. The main downside of Merfolk Looter, of, of a lot of your, like, careful study, so many of your card draw spells is having to discard afterwards, and now I don't have to worry about that. And so, Oscar Rubbish Reclaimer gets an honorable mention, it is also a favorite deck of mine, and I play it a lot. I'm not going to get rid of it. It's also the deck that I use as kind of like when we're playing that lower-powered game because um, it fits well in there. It works most of the time, but odds are, unless it goes off, it's not going to win, but it's just fun to play. And so when we're playing a lower-powered game, that's where I like to be. It gives me something to do, gives me something interesting and unique. So what about disappointing decks? Because we built a lot of decks that we like, but they're not all hits. <laughs> um, that would have to definitely be, it came from Planet Glurg, like I said, because that one was just too dependent on what was on the board. Like, there were times where I wanted to cast my commander just to get him out, but there were, like, no really good targets for him to target. Right. And it was just... It was just too dependent on the other players. Like, if someone was playing, like, a token deck... Yeah. Don't really have many things to, that I can target. Or if I was... Or someone that's playing, like, an obscure, random, like, tribal... Like, really niche tribal deck. It's like, there's nothing in there that I want. Yeah. Like, there's like there might be, like, one or two. But if I'm going... Because his mana cost is XX green blue. So if I, I, in order to copy two creatures, you have I, to pay six. I have to pay six. If I'm going to pay six, that's a lot. If I'm going to pay six mana to, that's true. Only be able to target two things. I want them to be really big. Yeah. Like I want them to be really powerful. So like, if I wanted to copy four creatures, that's ten mana. That's a lot. Now and in my, an ungame, and yeah. So that one just kind of, it just, okay. it, I see where you're coming it, from. It was now. just, it had too much variance. Yeah. 
I get you. Um, and that's why I shifted it over to Most Dangerous Gamer because I really wish that he was Soul Tie instead of I, I wish I he, know. I wish he had blue in them <laughs> because then that's like the perfect color scheme for it is for the attractions. Well, it, it really is. Well, black green is for the attractions. The blue in there was just going to be for like dice manipulation. Although no, our 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 other buddy he ran a Demir attractions deck mm-hmm. that did quite a bit of work at at our last meetup. Well, with so, uh, if I had if I had blue in it, it. It's just with blue, I get access to uh, Beezles. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other blue cards that do dice manipulation as well. Right. Um, I see, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. So, like, it would be nice to have those. Yeah. But I have it pretty much figured out how I want. And a lot of the cards from, it came from Planet Glurg, mm-hmm. do work well and. Right. Most dangerous gamer. I just had to kind of tweak some stuff around. Yeah, and I just need a couple of cards. But other than that, like, I was really excited and everything to to build. It came from Planet Lurk. Then I played it a handful of times and went, it doesn't work the way I want it to. Yeah. And so I was able to keep the shell of it, just different commander. Yeah. What about you? Well, I was disappointed in Rafik of the many. But I'm not completely done with it. The exalted mechanic works, but I I have to find the balance of exalted cards and removal. And there's too many things that can go wrong with an exalted deck, especially in 2022 Magic. Rafik was great as a commander when it was EDH. And it was twenty you know, twenty thirteen, and you know it was yeah. it was just a different world for Commander. Rafik was a powerhouse. Now there's just too much variance in in how the Rafik deck worked. Uh, so I need to go back and work on that. So that was kind of disappointing, but I think that was mostly in the way that I built it. My biggest disappointment was Cecily Haunted Mage. Now. Cecily Haunted Mage is the universes within version of Eleven of the Stranger Things cards. So Cecily Haunted Mage costs a generic, a blue, a black, and a red, and says your maximum hand size is 11. And then whenever Cecily Haunted Mage attacks, you draw a card and you lose one life. Then if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand without paying its mana cost. It all says friends forever, but I wasn't doing that. Three colors was plenty for me. So I built this deck with the idea of suiting up Cecily to basically make her a Voltron commander so that she could get through, draw cards... And then cast big flashy spells. But that never worked. <laughs> Let me guess. It, you were a victim of uh, Magical Christmas Land, huh? I, I really was. I could uh, try as hard as I wanted to. I could never get 11 cards in my hand. It just wasn't happening. No matter how much card draw I put in the deck. And then you get to the point where there's so much card draw that now you're over 11 cards and you're having finding yourself discarding cards that you don't really want to discard, you know. 
and you're you're able to play so many spells and it just I I wanted to be unique. I had an idea and in theory it worked really well. Put I had the right equipment that would enable me to draw cards on attack and I'd be able to go ahead and fill my hand, but I could never get the equipment. And then when I had the equipment, I didn't have the big flashy spells to play or I had the big flashy spells that cost, you know, six, seven, eight, nine mana. Like I'm going to play those on a regular turn, you know, <laughs> it, it sounds like you had the same problem. Yeah. As I did with my, uh, Galazeth. Yeah. Uh, Voltron, because I built that one as a Voltron commander and spell slinger combo kind of sort of. Yeah. Like I would use the equipment to tap it to pay for the big spells and everything, but it was just finding that balance of right. the good spells, like the big flashy spells, plus like all the removal and everything, plus all of the equipment. Yeah. And it was just it just too hard to juggle everything. So Cecily was one of those decks that I had high hopes when I built it, but this this week I finally took it apart because I, I and I had I'd always intended to go back and try to rebuild it and retool it and rebalance it again to try to make it work. And I just I never never got the the inkling to really do it, the drive to really do it. There were other commanders out there like Felon of Havenwood, which a fungus deck, who builds that? I'm going to build that. That'll be fun. And it's much, much more straightforward. So I, we're also working on a, a worm tribal deck with Baru worm speaker. So that'll be fun. You know, it's, that one's not done yet, but that'll be fun. And they're much more straightforward than Cecily haunted mage. Will I go back to her at some point? Because I like the concept of being able to cast big splashy spells after you've drawn a lot of cards, maybe. But she was a huge disappointment in how I went about building a deck this year. But a valuable learning experience. So disappointed in the in the outcome, but learned valuable lessons along the way. So, all right, we're going to talk about some of our least favorite things for a little bit in in terms of our least favorite set and least favorite card. But then we're going to end on high notes. Yes. So. So bear with us for a little bit while we, we talk about some things that we didn't like so much. And we're going to start off with our least favorite set. Chris, what was your least favorite set? Two of them. And I touched on this earlier whenever we were talking about them. Mm -hmm. Dominary United and Brothers War, just because it just felt repetitive at this point. Yeah. Right, what's yours? Well, my least favorite set was Commander Masters. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Double Masters 2022. Um this one, it, it had such potential, but we, we talked about it in previous episodes. The price tag that was put on Double Masters 2022 and the way it was marketed made it so restrictive for a lot of people to actually get their hands on it. You and I, I mean, there was no way we were affording a box of this. No. You know, we, we picked up, I think I bought three packs and drafted once. You know, it just... It, it was not feasible. And even with our draft, I think that was because we, the LGS gave us a, a, a discount, you know, gave, like gave everybody a discount because they yeah. knew it was going to be so expensive. Um, so we, it was just too cost prohibitive for I'm, what, and, and the variance in what you were getting out of the packs, yeah. 
you know, if you were going to definitely get a big ticket, hard to find card every time you opened a pack, which I realize would have meant what's the point of the set. But if, if you had known you were going to get a big ticket card, that would have been one reason to buy a pack. But at the same time, most of the packs I opened, I could have bought all the cards in the pack for a cheaper price than buying the pack. So, yeah, it was more diminishing returns. It was. It was just diminishing returns. And couple that with a lot of the cards that they printed were really commander cards that people wanted for commander. But this was marketed as a master's product, which was designed to get reprints out to modern legacy pioneer players instead. And so now we're kind of stuck along the same lines of, well, here we go. Commander players got to cough up lots of money for these reprints that we really want. A lot of the modern players are like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that was, that was my least favorite set of the year. Um, what was your least favorite card? Stickers. I get it. They sucked. They ruined <laughs> cards. Yeah. Yeah. Literally ruined cards. Yeah, yeah. I saw the Reddit post of like one guy that had an etched, like, I think it was like a sixty or seventy dollar etched foil. Yeah, and he put a sticker on it. He put a sticker directly on it, and when he peeled it off, took some of the foiling with it. Yeah. He's like, well, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, and even I, I heard stories of even when people had sleeved cards and they put the sticker on the sleeve, it left a residue. Mm -hmm. The stickers are not eternally reusable. Yeah. It just, the whole thing was a mess. They were, they are bad. I completely see where you're coming from. Terrible card. My least favorite is actually a card from brothers war hostile negotiations. <laughs> so this is a card that you think would be really nice when you read the first half of it. It, um, it has you exile the top three cards of your library in a face-down pile. Then you exile the top three cards of your library in another face-down pile. You get to look at the cards in each pile, and then turn a pile of your choice face up. An opponent chooses one of the piles, you put that pile into your hand and the other pile into your graveyard, and you lose three life. Now, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of terrible cards that were printed over the course of the year. There really are. But this is one. Oh, and by the way, it's an instant. It's a rare, and it costs three generic and a black. In 2022 Magic, if you're going to give me that kind of an effect, first of all, I expect this to cost a generic and a black. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to make me pay four for this, and, oh, and still be at instant speed, if you're going to make me pay four for this then I get to distribute the piles as I see fit off of the top six cards. And then we get to have a conversation. Because <laughs> at this point, there is... It, it's just... It's inconceivable. It is exact, exactly. <laughs> You're going to get the top three cards. Who knows what's in those three? You know, it may be great. It may be terrible. Then there's the next three. And then <laughs> your opponent gets to look at one pile. And if they look and see all the great cards, they're going to look and go, well, that pile goes... And you can keep the crappy pile. Or if you decide to turn up the crappy pile, they're going to look at it and go, 
yeah, you can have those. Get rid of the three that I don't see. Like, there is no winning for you with yeah. this card. It is so terrible. I, I don't see any reason to ever play this card. I That's one card that I'm actually that I'm trying to figure out how, where to put it in my Conrad deck. Will it count if it was, well, yeah, because it comes from anywhere. When a creature card is put into the graveyard from anywhere. Okay, and that, see, that works. That one, that one would work with Conrad. Yes. And that's... But even then, <laughs> even then, if you show a, if you show the group that has the creatures... All right, say there's two creatures in that face-up pile that you showed your opponent. Odds are they're going to take a chance on the other pile, hoping that it has one or zero creatures, and they're going to pitch that one. You know my Conrad deck. You know how easily I can put creatures into it. Absolutely. I also have ways to put creatures back on top. Yes, I know. So yeah. I can do foot bottom feast. If I, have, if I have seven creatures in my graveyard, foot bottom feast. Put all seven of them onto my graveyard. Okay. Onto the top. You're right. Draw a card. I'm down to six. Play that. Okay. Thank you. You found the one deck. <laughs> all right. Here's three. All right. Here's three cards. Here's three cards. All right. This one's going to be face up. Which one do you want? You have found the one deck that will make hostile negotiations work. <laughs> Aside from that, this is a terrible card. I... I can't believe it was printed. It's miserable. It it has it deserves to be a bulk rare. You just have to look outside the box. And thank you. You solved the box. Yes. <laughs> all right. Now that we've talked about our least favorite stuff and been all disappointing for a little while, let's talk about our favorite stuff from the year. Chris, favorite set, what is it? Premiere, Neon Dynasty. Gotta love Cyberpunks. Absolutely. Supplemental, Infinity. Just because it was so much fun. It was. It was a blast to draft. Absolutely. It was. What are it, yours? Mine, just like yours, premiere set, Neon Dynasty. Loved it. Loved the lore. Loved the throwback. I liked how the set fit together as a whole. I thought it was great. The drafting environment was fun. Yes, ninjas ended up being a little bit more dominant than everything else, but I liked the way the set was put together. I enjoyed the cards. I'm still enjoying the set. It's fantastic. Supplemental set, Baldur's Gate. As much as I know people rag on Baldur's Gate, and don't get me wrong, it should not have been marketed as a Commander Legends product. Absolutely not. But from a Commander standpoint, the number of Legends that it gave us is awesome. The number of uh, the, the drafting environment, phenomenal. First, I have never seen a set up to this point that you can get, there, there's got to be at least 25 different just off the top, 25 different commander archetypes that you can put together. And there are cards in there that will work in so many different archetypes and make the set work. You can draft a cohesive deck despite whatever commander setup you get. I loved it. I thought it was so well put together. Um, yes, the variance and what you're going to pull from a pack is horrendous. You're going to get a couple great packs that are worth a lot of money. Most of your packs are going to be terrible, but the the gameplay is phenomenal. Absolutely wonderful. I would draft Baldur's Gate all day. It's so much fun. If you had to pick one card from the set from all year that is your favorite, what is it? Phone a friend. Why? Played it. 
while playing a uh, ungay uh, an uncommander game. Yes, I was there. <laughs> and I called my brother. I I, te- I was texting him later. I actually interrupted dinner. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> I I interrupted dinner. Oh, that's good. And it gets that better. makes it better. <laughs> I, it gets better. He was almost about to go into crew rest as well. Oh no! <laughs> so if I had called him, so if he had been asleep whenever I called him, I would have broken his crew rest. Oh no! <laughs> and he would have had to call his commander. He would have had to call his crew, or well, his his aircraft commander. And go, oh no! My crew rest is broken. We have to re- we have to reset. Oh no! Which would then completely ruin like ruin the mission. Oh my word! So I was one hour away. <laughs> From ruining a mission. <laughs> and the best part of all is, I was like, because you don't, all it says is call someone. Right. And, you know, have them pick one. Well, my brother plays Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So he's, so, you know, he's kind of familiar with, with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to be like, just pick A, B, C, or D. Exactly. I didn't tell him what it meant. He was yeah. like, hey, and this is how the phone call went. Hey, sorry to bother you. I need you to, I'm playing a game of magic. I had to call you. I need you to pick one, A, B, C, or D. Well, um, I need a little bit more information. This is what the card says. Pick A, B, C, or D. All right. Uh, well, when in doubt, Charlie out. So C. All right. Thanks. Take an extra turn. Yes! <laughs> and it was just so much fun. And, like, that is, like, one of my favorite memories. Like... Well, to top it off, I'm pretty sure, because I was playing in this game, I'm pretty sure we had the opportunity as a table to counter the spell. Because on it, it said, take an extra turn. And I believe I had said to the table... Don't worry about it. The other options are terrible. What's the odds he's actually going to get an extra turn? <laughs> and the best part of all, when, when I went through training and when my brother went through training, our instructors always said the same thing. If you're doing multiple choice, when in doubt, Charlie out. It's a 50% chance you'll get it right because there's always two obvious wrong answers. That is true. So there's a 50% chance that you could get it because the other two are going to be absolutely wrong. It was like, okay, when in doubt, Charlie out. (laughs) And so... And he gave you an extra turn. I was like, I really hope he does it. I really hope he does it. I really hope he does it. Hey, he came through. And like that... That that was a great moment that I will always remember. It was fantastic. All right, what was yours? Mine is actually Braid's Arisen Nightmare from Dominaria United. Now, again, a lot of this gets back to the nostalgia for me. Braid's uh, Cabal something. Minion? Yes, Braid's Cabal Minion was one of my favorite cards when she was originally printed in Odyssey. And loved it. But Braid's Cabal Minion forces players to sacrifice permanence and that doesn't go over very well so i don't get to play braid my copy of braid very often. according to the cag yeah um, creates an unfun environment and it is banned but yeah. as all cards in commander are rule zero right if you talk about it beforehand and everyone says okay it's okay yeah but braid's arisen nightmare 
plays off of the original Braid's mm -hmm. concept of sacrificing permanence, your opponent's having to sacrifice permanence, that is, but does it in a more reasonable way. Um, plus, the character of Braid's has always like intrigued me. Um, getting deep into the lore, she is... The, the, so the Cabal are a group of people from... Dominaria that that go into like night they they summon nightmares and horrors, and while most of the cabal members have to do this big ritual to summon theirs, Braids was unique in that she was able to summon and conjure her her nightmares much more easily, because I I remember reading the book like Chainer as a as a young member of the cabal met Braids and he, he like because he had to do like a sensor and everything and all the smoke and everything to go up against his his nightmares and summon them and braid told him just look into her eye look into her eyes and then look over her shoulder and chainer saw all these nightmares and horrors like right behind braids and so it was it, it, and that was when she says I keep my my nightmares with me at all times and so it was it, it was that kind of mentality that always latched me onto braids as just a character and how different and unique she was. Um, and so to see her come back in Dominary United uh, is just it was it was the nostalgia effect. And so that that's one of the, the reasons that I really liked braids as a new character. Um, and and the card just works out really well. And I've, I've tried to use it a couple times. Not effectively yet, but we'll get to that point. So, but yeah, that's that's my favorite card from probably the whole year is Braids Arisen Nightmare. So, we've been talking for the better part of an hour and 45 minutes at this point. So, I say we wrap it up. Say we wrap it up. All right. Well, before we go into the cleanup, I hate to end it on a bittersweet note, but... After, what, almost two years? This is episode 40. Yeah, 40 episodes. So after 40 episodes, um, Joe, uh, well, as we do this podcast as for fun, we, it was my idea, I pitched it to Joe, Joe jumped on board, we figured everything out and we started recording. So... 40 episodes, life gets in the way. Yep. But it was fun while it lasted. We're gonna uh MTG under the hood is going to take a short break. Um and whenever we come back, it'll be just me. Uh so I need to figure out how I wanna restructure how I wanna keep the episode structured and everything. And Joe, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been fun talking with all of you. Um, obviously, this is not goodbye forever. Uh, I, I will make some return appearances from time to time, but it, it has been fun talking to all of you and talking to our audience. I hope you've learned something, and uh, of course, if you ever need a judge ruling, let me know. I'll be happy to, to help out and do whatever I can. And so. if you need that judge ruling, you can always email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at mtgunderthehood. I think that was my best segue ever. I think so, yeah. Well done. <laughs> Only took 40 episodes. Yes. <laughs> All right.
And with that, thank you for listening to this episode of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And for the time being, I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned. Thank you.